Every story starts somewhere. In this podcast, we'll take you to the four corners of Ireland, from craggy cliffs and bare-topped hills, to bog-drowned fields and sacred wells. Who knows where we'll end up? In the 1930s, the National Folklore Commission asked school children all over the country to collect stories and folklore in their local area. Thousands of children went home to their parents, grandparents and neighbours and gathered tales of the past from their elders. These were local tales about magical hills, miraculous lakes and life-saving wells dotted across the landscape. These stories form the basis for our adventure. But come with us now as we join our storyteller. I wonder where we'll begin today. This is Where the Story Begins. Hello and welcome to Where the Story Begins. My name is Mark and where this story begins is just a few kilometres from my house up in the Dublin mountains on the Dublin Wicklow border. Up there there's a place called Ticknock, which in English means Hill House. And back in the 1920s, Lady Gregory sat down and spoke to a couple called the Kellehers. Mr. and Mrs. Kelleher are amazing, just based on this account and listen to how they speak. But the area itself is incredible. As I say, it's up in the Dublin mountains, but there's a walk up there which I've taken on occasion, which is about five kilometres and you can walk it nicely in just under two hours. It goes between Tree Rock Mountain and Fairy Castle. That is absolutely one of the most beautiful parts of Dublin. When Lady Augusta Gregory sat down with Mr and Mrs Kelleher, this is what they had to say. I often saw them when I had my eyesight. One time they came with me, shouting and laughing, and there were spouts of water all around me. And I thought that I was coming home, but I was not on the right path and I couldn't find it and went wandering about. But at last... One of them said to me, Good evening, Kelleher. And they went away, and then in a moment I saw that I was by the stile. They were very small, like little boys and girls, and they all had red caps. I always saw them like that, but they were bigger at the border of the river. They used to go along the course of the river. Another time they came about me playing music, and I didn't know where I was going. And at last, one of them came and said to me again, Good evening, Kelleher. And I knew that I was at the gate of the cottage. This was the sweetest music that I'd ever heard, and the best can be heard anywhere in Ireland. Like melodrones and fifes and whistles of every sort. I often heard the music too, said Mrs Kelleher. I hear them playing the drums. Mr Kelleher said that he had one of them in the house for a while. That's when he was living up in Ticknock, and was just after he married the young slip of a woman by his side as she was at the time. It was in the winter and there was snow on the ground and he saw one of them outside. He brought him in, put him on the dresser and he stopped in the house for a while. Mr Callahan said it was no more than a week. It was more than that, it was at least two or three weeks, said Mrs Kelleher. Ah, maybe it was, I'm not sure. He was about 15 inches high, you see. He was very friendly, and it's likely that he slept on the dresser at night. 
but when the boys in the public house were full of porter, they used to come by the house and look at him. They'd laugh to see him, but I never let them near him. I never let them hurt him. They said that I would be made up, that he'd bring me riches, but I never saw anything of that. We did have a cage, and I wished that I'd put him in it and kept him until I'd gotten me riches. Mrs Keller said that there was a cage that they had for a thrush, and that they thought about putting him into it, but it would have been cruel because he wouldn't have been able to stand up. I'm sorry I didn't keep him, said Mr Keller. I sometimes wish I'd brought him up to Dublin to sell him, but Miss Keller insisted that he never would have made it to Dublin. One day I saw another of the kind, not far from the house, but more like a girl, said Mr Kelleher. The clothes were greyer than his clothes, and they were red. And that evening, when I was sitting beside the fire with the missus, I told her about it, and the little lad that was sitting on the dresser called out, That's Geoffrey a wee coming for me, he said. And he jumped down and went out the door and we never saw him again. I thought it was a girl, I saw. But Geoffrey wouldn't be named for a girl, would it? He'd never spoken before that time. Somehow, I think that he liked me better than the missus. I used to feed him with bread and milk. But Mrs Keller was afraid of him. She said that she was afraid to go near him and thought that he might scratch her eyes out. So when she fed him, Again, she gave him bread and milk, but she'd go away while he was eating it. I used to feed him with a spoon, said Mr. Kelleher, and I'd put the spoon to his mouth. Mrs. Kelleher said that he was fresh looking at first, but over time he got an old look about him, sort of wrinkled. But Mr. Kelleher insisted that he was fresh looking enough and he had a hardy look to him. He'd been wearing a red cap and little red cloth skirt, just like... He was a Highlander. Miss Kelleher said that he also wore a coat over it and that it was checked and the trousers under the skirt were long stockings and all red and his shoes, well, they were tanned but you could hardly see the soles of them. The soles of his foot were like babies. The time I lost my sight, said Mr Keller, was a Thursday evening and I was walking through the fields. I went to bed that night and when I rose up in the morning, the sight was gone. The boys said it was likely that I'd walked on one of their paths. Those little paths you see through the fields are made by them. They were very often in the quarries. They used to have great fun up there, all around Peacock's Well. And the Peacock Well was blessed by a saint. And another well near that cured a headache. I saw one time a big grey bird about the cow house. I went to a comrade boy and asked him to come with me to help me catch it. But when we came back it was gone. So I love that story. And to hear how he finished it you just know that Mr Keller and Mrs Keller have a lot, lot more stories to tell. What I love really about that is how many similarities there are to a lot of old leprechaun stories. Now I'm sure these people would have heard stories themselves but even when you look back and bear in mind that's 1920 if you look at 1959 and Darby O'Ginn Little People the behaviour of King Brian in the house of Darby it's the same the dress is the same and it's all so removed from the leprechaun that most people know today and it's a lot closer to the leprechaun we tell stories about in the museum for now though that's the end of my story and 
when all this is done and I can go walking again up in the Dublin mountains and across into Wicklow when I'm walking up by Tick Knock I'm going to make sure and be very careful to keep my eyes peeled but not to step on the ferry path because if I do there's a chance I'll never see anything ever again. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Where the Story Begins, brought to you by the National Leprechaun Museum. You can find out more about this story, this place, and many others by checking out the website of the National Folklore Collection, duchas.ie. That's D-U-C-H-A-S dot I-E. You can also find out more about this place on loganum.ie, the place names database of Ireland. That's L-O-G-A-I-N-M dot I-E. The National Leprechaun Museum celebrates Irish folklore and mythology through the oral storytelling tradition. You can find us on Jervis Street in Dublin, Ireland and on leprechaunmuseum.ie. Today's Shamfuckle is Ismahum Vani Akhnir Vanji of Rogadi Fall. She's a good wife, but she's not taken off her shoes yet.